Good night, everybody. Good night, good night, good night. Dr. Brafitt Daly, and that's probably the last time I'm going to refer to you as Dr. Brafitt Daly, <laughs> because I've known you for basically ever, well, at least 50 years, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and as, as you look at Sicily, I always call you Pat, so I'm going to be referring to you, to you as Pat here tonight as well, and if that's will, okay. That is fine, and I will try to remember to refer to you as Kurt. Okay. Inside again. joke, Thank everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. So, so Pat is an obstetrician, and she's also a gynecologist. She works in the private sector. Um, so most definitely she is an authority on our topic tonight. Um, I know that menstrual health is something that is kind of not ventilated enough. And um, I think that is not necessarily ventilated enough with males as well. So there's an opportunity here for ladies to, to perhaps learn a little bit, share a little bit, for gentlemen to learn a, bit, a little bit as well. Um, so we can make sure that we are always there to take care of our ladies and know exactly what's going on, right? So Pat, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the ball rolling here. And guys, in the, in the, guys in the audience, feel free to ask any single question. Um, I'll be monitoring the chat all the way through, looking for the questions, looking for the comments, trying to note them so that I could always um, pose them to Pat as we go along, all right? So the first thing, um, we always like to get the definitions of the way, so we want to talk about what the menstrual cycle is and what's the purpose of it. All right, so essentially, as most of us would know by now, um, the purpose of the menstrual cycle, aside from being an annoyance in some cases, uh, you might think of it as an inconvenience or an, an interference, really and truly, is to help promote um, human reproduction. Um, as you know, it's a monthly cycle where the interaction of the hormones, various hormones in the body lead to an egg being released from one of the ovaries or what we refer to as ovulation. And one of two things will happen. Either fertilization will occur and pregnancy ensues or fertilization doesn't occur. And then that results in the lining of the uterus being shed, what we know as your period, your menses, your menstruation, depending on what era you may have been born in, how you like to refer to it, essentially. The menses. I don't know if the people in the, in the chat could drop, could drop some of the names that they've heard, but it seems to me as though in this society, people don't like to say the word period too often. Yeah, amongst so other gynecological words, it's true. Yeah, so we hear a lot of different words um, used to describe it or even speak, to, speak about it in, um, in, in a bit of secrecy, you know, mm -hmm. but... We try, we try to we try to ventilate and get these things these topics to be yes i'm hearing that you have such a pleasant and reassuring voice pat <laughs> <laughs> well i'm happy that you can hear me clearly <laughs> <laughs> so so you speak about the the um the importance mm -hmm. the importance of of the menstrual cycle mm -hmm. um i want to touch on getting to know like exactly what the menstrual cycle is for each person so the question that I really have for you is what constitutes a regular menstrual, menstrual cycle? Okay, all right. So like most things in life, you have a spectrum of what we call the norm. I know that's a, a term that most of us don't like to use nowadays. But anyway, um, you have to know what is considered norm 
or your normal in order to know what is a variation or abnormal for you. Um, so in most cases, what we would consider a normal menstrual cycle lasts about 28 days, and it can vary from an individual to individual. It can also vary from month or from cycle to cycle. Um, in some cases, it can range from as little as 21 to as much as 35 days. Um, in addition to that, when we talk about your period itself or your menses or anti-flow or your menstruation, all right, um, on average, that tends to range from about five to seven days. Um, once again, though, it tends to vary from the extremes of age. So persons would have might or might not remember when they first saw their period. Um, they may have noticed that it may have been lighter. It may not have been coming as regularly because at that stage, the various hormones are what we call like your HBO axis, which regulates the hormones, it's not quite mature. And those periods tend to be an, an ovulatory, meaning that you're not really releasing an egg each month. Um, as first by about year two, year three, your cycles tend to regularize. And then the same thing tends to happen around the perimenopause, which is those years leading up to menopause. You may notice um, variations in the menstrual cycle as well. What is important, I'm happy that you mentioned in terms of knowing what is the importance of the menstrual cycle, because you really use it as a indicator of your gynecological health. Um, you may notice that one of the first things that your gynecologist will ask you, in addition to, you know, hey, how are you doing? So what brings you in today? When was your last period? Right? <laughs> At which point, you know, most persons tend to go for their phone, hopefully it's charged, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's important to be tracking your period because that's how we know what is going on. Variations from the norm can indicate that something else is going on. Um, if you notice that your periods are coming more frequent than the time frame that I had mentioned in terms of more com coming more often than the 21 days, um, or they are coming less frequently, it could be an indication that there is an issue in terms of the uterus, in terms of the ovaries. You may notice that the length of your period may be longer than the five to seven days that I mentioned, or the period itself, the flow may be heavier, um, or you may be having pain. Or pain, once again, is relative, um, but excessive pain. So is this pain that you know, goes away with over-the-counter medications? Is this pain that is so severe that it prevents you from being able to go to work? Um, or depending on your age, go to school. Um, you can't get out of bed. You really don't want to do anything during your period, then that is definitely an indication that something else is going on. And I would definitely recommend that you speak to your gynecologist. I'm really glad that you touched on that because it it would appear to me that in some cases, ladies, you know, they generally may feel pain. And they will have felt pain all the way through, you know, this, um, from the time that they've known that they've had their periods. And therefore, they, they expect that to be their normal. Mm -hmm. So say that any time that you're having pain, um, that's definitely something that should be checked and discussed. Yeah, let's not normalize pain. Um, pain that, as I said, is relieved over the counter medications. I mean, most persons will experience some premenstrual symptoms that we may touch on a little later on as we go on. Um, but definitely pain that is interrupting your regular day of life, um, your regular duties is something that needs further investigation. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to touch on this here, guys, that, um, of course, what we are speaking of is going to be, you know, this is general information, and everyone will have their own unique circumstance, and therefore, 
Um, anything that you experience, you should really discuss with your specific medical practitioner. Of course, you're free to, to, con to, to contact. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you should always, always speak to your medical practitioner if you notice anything else. So, Pat, is there anything else that you wanted to, to touch on in there? Um, I was actually just curious to find out how people feel about their menstrual cycle and their, and their period. Um, if you were to describe it with one or two words, what would be your description? And how is your relationship being? As I said, it tends to change from menarche, which is the first time that you have your period throughout um, your reproductive life. Um, some persons may notice changes. If they may have been pregnant after pregnancy, they may have noticed changes in terms of their menstrual cycle. So just curious to find out what is, what is the feedback from our audience. All right. So guys, if you, if you can describe your period in one or two words, you know, just drop some feedback here. Some <laughs> Lucinda says trash. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, Lucinda. That is, um, that is quite unfortunate. Um, and I hope yeah. that you have been having a conversation with, with your gynecologist. Um, it will be interesting to find out what the males, if we have any males online, are saying as well. Because going back to the same premenstrual symptoms that I mentioned, um, they tend to notice when we as females, um, we may have you know, our mood swings, we may be very irritable, um, anxious, depressed, those sorts of things. We definitely get some responses coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, one response, Melissa says, surprisingly smooth. Okay. Just, let me just scroll. Um, one person says, excruciating pains. I'm so sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, this again backed up by saying nonsense, uh, just to add to the previous statement. Um, I have a question here, though, mm -hmm. that I want to hear. Sure. Uh, more often after pregnancy are periods more often after pregnancy normal yeah so i i guess you're saying uh, are are more regular periods mm -hmm. after pregnancy is that normal is okay we are assuming that the more tell me the question again sorry let me just make sure i'm following what you're saying the quote is mm -hmm. are periods more often after pregnancy normal and okay so that's where you have to go go a little deeper are you saying more often being more often than every month um that's that's definitely a discussion that you would have to have with your gynecologist because you have to go into detail as to knowing what was your menstrual history before is it a case where your peers were coming irregular um is it a case where your peers were coming on a monthly basis and now you were seeing them more than once per month um, just going back to what I mentioned in terms of knowing what, being able to track your period um, and being able to follow the trend. So if you notice a change, then by all means, you discuss with your physician. I'm not sure if that answers the question, um, but I hope it highlights the importance of knowing what is going on with your period. Yes, definitely. Um, we have some more feedback, body pains, mm -hmm. the word unnecessary, unnecessary mm -hmm. reviews. Okay, no, that I'm older. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, another comment here, I never understand what triggers a random bad one. I assume stress. Would you, would you say that stress definitely plays a, a toll? Stress can play a factor. Um, can be one of the factors that affects changes in your period. I am hoping that you've used the word random, and so at least this is not a regular occurrence. 
but stress can have an effect. Right. So um, I, I want to, Lucinda had mentioned earlier about uh, when she has her period that she wants to, <laughs> that she, well, basically she was saying that she prefers to rest. Um, she was saying that she would let her get a doctor's note uh, so that I don't uh, <laughs> have her to say. But um, we'll touch that, Lucinda. Curtis will that. that later. <laughs> yeah, man, that's something that we, can, that we are going to discuss, but it also leads me to ask, is exercise um, something that also is beneficial to us having better or smoother periods? Um, it is, for sure. Um, it has been found that it can be beneficial in terms of persons that have painful periods, what we refer to as dysmenorrhea. Um, persons that may have irregular periods, as a result of an increased body mass index. Um, just the act of losing weight in itself can help to regularize the periods um, with or without the use of hormonal contraception. Um, and going back to the same premenstrual symptoms that we mentioned as well, exercising on a regular basis can help in terms of alleviating or reducing those symptoms. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good thing to note. Um, any particular style of exercise which you would you know through your reading you have seen helps um once again it depends on the individual so i don't want to use a broad statement but aerobic exercise can be helpful um for those persons that may notice that may have like high stress levels um things like yoga things like relaxing exercises or so breathing exercises meditation they can help as well in terms of reducing your stress uh, which in itself then can reduce your premenstrual symptoms. Yeah, man. It's one thing that I found um, a couple of years ago, um, actually Tracy had brought some information to me, which I was then able to, to really delve a lot deeper into. Mm -hmm. And it was speaking about, you know, breaking down the cycle. And this is the, the, the menstrual cycle now into different phases. Mm -hmm. So when you speak about, the pre-ovulation phase, which would be which would be called the follicular stage, yeah. and then you speak about the post-ovulation stage, which is the luteal stage. Right. One thing that I've found is, and, and of course, this is unique to to every Each single individual. person. Yeah, but one thing that I've found is that there are some persons who react a lot better to doing, for example, um, weight training okay. in the follicular stage. Mm -hmm. um, so they have a lot more energy specific to weight training. They can pump a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. This, of course, you know, after, you know, the major flow has finished. Right. Um, they can pump a lot more. They can go a lot harder. They can lift everything. Mm -hmm. and you know, they're not a lot happier to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then after, you know, when we get to the luteal phase, you know, in the first part of the luteal phase, you, you know, you can pump, you can do the HIAT work, which is the high intensity work. And then, Coming on to the end, though, you kind of have to phase it out a little bit. Where you know, preparing, yeah, preparing to have the, the, the shedding, as you spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. and then preparing for the actual flow. Um, I feel that that is, that is something that, you know, when I first read it, I was really happy to see it. And then putting it into practice, I realized that for some persons, it works exceedingly well for them. Um, also able, they're also able to retain energy a lot mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. um, during the exercise okay. so uh, during that, that luteal phase they're able to for example go jogging or go roll on the roll machine or you know that aerobic capacity is a lot higher mm -hmm. you know rather than in the first phases 
I think that just speaks to the importance of once again knowing your body um, and therefore having a multidisciplinary team approach on board. So, you know, the physician has his or her role in terms of knowing if there's anything of concern um, going on with your medicines. And then if you have a personal trainer, um, having that sort of relationship where you feel comfortable and you can share that sort of information so then that can be used to your advantage. That's a good point there, you know. Um, I, I found that, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm lucky. Um, the ladies who, who I have worked with, they are quite open with the information. Okay. Um, I, I don't generally ask right away. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to observe first. Build rapport. And then if it's good, the rapport is a survey, then I can ask the question and explain why I am seeking this information. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's, it's really good to get all the information you can get so that you can help persons as much as possible. So that is a good point that you said that being open um, really helps the scenario. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question here. Sure. What is premenopausal systems of the cycle? What are the symptoms? Sorry, repeat that. What is premenopausal symptoms, not systems, symptoms mm -hmm. with the cycle? Premenopausal specifically. Okay, all yeah. right. Um, so in the perimenopause um, period, persons may notice once again, irregular periods. So instead of coming on a monthly basis, you may skip a month or skip two months. And then when the period does come, it may be heavier than normal. Um, persons may also notice changes in terms of their mood. Um, so they may have mood changes, may have sleep disturbances. Um, the What you would have heard of in terms of hot flashes, night sweats, um, those tend to be some of the main indications that um, menopause may be on its way. All right, hope that that answers the question um, in, in fully. I just tried to through here to make sure that I have not missed any questions mm -hmm. uh, that I can post you at this point in time. Um, steady state rules. Some person says lifting makes it worse. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be individual, you know, mm -hmm. and, and if, if lifting definitely feels uncomfortable at that time, I mean, the suggestion is not to lift, you know. At the end of the day, it can rest itself, you know. Um, is is you're going through something quite difficult at that point in time in terms of it's going to drain you, it's going to drain your energy. So if you feel as though you need to lay down, go lay down. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that's something that you should feel comfortable enough to discuss with your trainer and then the two of you come to come to a compromise in terms of what works and what doesn't work. And I'm sure from cycle to cycle that, that may vary as well. Yeah, man. Um, someone had made a comment about pushing through in terms of exercise um, earlier. Okay. Um, you, you have any specific comments that you want to make on that? Um, once again, going back to the individual, you, you are the only person that will know your body um, once there isn't any medical indication as to why you shouldn't be exercising during your period. Um, then you really should be guided based on how you are feeling. Um, obviously making sure that if it's a case where you have very heavy periods and you may be anemic or consideration is that you are anemic, speak to your physician if you're having the symptoms of anemia in terms of, you know, easy fatigability, you notice that you're having um, headaches or dizziness, those sorts of things, then definitely you would want to try and get that investigated um, and then avoid strenuous activity during your menses to make sure that you are giving yourself some time that you can build back up your blood count 
so you can be most effective. Um, but aside from that, it really should be guided by your individual body and how you find you can respond, um, what is in what you think works best for you. You know, the general theme here is to, is understanding your body. Your body. You know, that's, that's the general theme here that, that we keep coming back to. Um, listening to your body, understanding what's normal from what's abnormal. And then as soon as you feel something that's abnormal, talk to a medical professional. professional. And it's important because what is normal for, well, I mean, obviously we are of different genders, but what is normal for me is going to be different to what is normal for another individual, another female of the same age. Um, which is going to be different to another individual, another female who is 10, 15 years younger or 10, 15 years older. Yeah, definitely. Um, I see a comment coming here. So pleased to see the guys joining on this chat. And, and to be honest with you, Melissa, I, I'm really happy to see that as well. Because, you know, I, I guess it's a situation where <laughs> a lot of the times, a lot of fellas just feel as though they only really want to many seven days. It's over. And many seven days gone. You know, but but having but getting an understanding as to the physiology which affects the psychology of the person that you're you know that you're with is so important. So you may be able to console or help or you know pick up the slap with anything at that point in time and, and basically understand. Because that's the most important thing. You really got to be able to understand so you can be able to offer assistance if necessary. I agree with that. So you spoke about, you spoke about what causes clots. All right, let me talk about that. Lucinda asks, what causes clots? Okay. Um, it's just as a result of, sorry. Um, it's as a result of the, the physiological processes that occur as a lining of the uterus is being shed um, when the blood is being when the blood is being expelled clots can form just as a result of the individual components for lack of a better way of putting it um, that make up the tissue that is being expelled from the uterus that's something that can happen quite quite easily yeah it's it's common it is common obviously if you have a situation where guaymato whatever is talking about variations from the norm so you have persons that are having excessive clots very large clots um, very heavy heavy periods to the point where they're changing um, pads every one to two hours and once again that tends to be relative as well because you have different types of pads um, in terms of different brands and different thickness but um, as a general rule if you notice that almost every hour on the hour or every two hours you are having to change your pads um that would be an indication that this is a heavy period and you may need to seek um medical attention in terms of checking to see if there's an underlying cause to make sure that you know it's not resulting in you being anemic and take it from there yeah i i accustomed hearing about anemia being a such a, a common thing um around and you have actually mentioned anemia about a hundred times here. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> um, <in this> <laughs> uh, just a point of how how common it can be. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak more about anemia and uh, things that can be done to help prevent or perhaps deal with it? Okay. Well, and mention some of the symptoms that you can have before. Um, in terms of, so. 
if you suspect that you're having an email, obviously see your physician, you can be investigated and and then determine, depending on the level of anemia, whether or not you're anemic, um, simple things like changing your dietary consumption. Um, so making sure you're eating lots of green leafy vegetables, things that are high in iron, your red meat. Um, you may or may not need to use a supplement um, as well. And speaking of supplements, just, just as a side note um, to the females, that once you are of the reproductive age, you really should be on a multivitamin that contains folic acid. Um, for the simple reason, this obviously has nothing to do with the menstrual cycle quite, um, but um, as we know, sometimes pregnancy can occur um, unplanned and folic acid helps to prevent what we call neurotube defects, which are problems in terms of development of baby's brain and spine. So I just wanted to put that in there in terms of being on a supplement that you really should be on a multivitamin containing folic acid. Um, and then if you are found to be anemic, you may need to have an additional supplementation of iron. That's a very important point there. Because, <laughs> you know, usually, you, you know, you run into a little bit of problem and then you don't have such hair X, Y, Z. So prevention is all, pre, 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 a preventative method is always, always welcome. Mm -hmm. Always welcome. <laughs> so, so you, you kind of went, went into women's health there. Is, there. is there anything else that you really want to speak on in terms of women's health? Like, it doesn't have to be specific to the, the, the menstrual cycle per se. Mm -hmm. But anything else that you really want to delve into in that regard? Um, I just want to encourage, well, I'm a gynecologist, so obviously I focus on women's health, but for everyone that's online right now, both males and females, to try and make your health a priority. Um, at the end of the day, you are the person, this is your body, you only have one body, um, and as much as the physicians and the nutritionists and the fitness trainers have a role to play, it really boils down to what you are doing. Um, so make your health a priority. With regards to the females out there, we're just coming out of January, which is cervical cancer awareness month, um, making sure that you have your pap smears regularly. Um, some of us may look at it as a necessary evil. I know it's uncomfortable. Um, um, but it really is important in terms of helping to screen and prevent cervical cancer. Um, seeing your gynecologist on an annual basis, and not just for your pap smears or other things that we discuss in terms of contraceptive health. It's important to plan your pregnancies. Um, if you don't plan on being pregnant, you really should be on a form of contraception. General things in terms of how you are eating making sure you have a balanced diet. If it's a case where you don't think that you need some assistance there, there are nutritionists that you can you can talk to that can help you in terms of guidance. I mean, we all sometimes need a little help in, in different areas um, in terms of fitness, personal trainers like yourself. Um, that plays an important role. And we all know the race that we have and the war against NCDs and the obesity epidemic that we are living in. Um, and the things that we do in our 20s and our 30s and our 40s have an impact on our health 10, 20, 30 years down the line, um, depending on your age range, making sure you're doing your mammograms. And just as I said, making, making health a priority. Um, we get very caught up in, in life and work and all, all manner of things, you know, trying to, trying to make a living, um, but don't get so caught up that you put your health on the back burner because it will suffer 
Um, and it's really one of those things that you, you can't buy your house back. Not a mercy. Well, I can't imagine that you can say anything <laughs> any <better than> that. <laughs> but check the ladies in the comments looking for them multivitamins to try to find out if they have it for the acid or not. Look at this thing here. <laughs> Look where you start there. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> huh? um, I just want to Tracy also mentioned that nettle tea. She's found nettle tea to be something that's very, very good in terms of helping her to um, to ease the, the periods Symptoms. as well. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, I haven't had any personal experience with the herbal remedies as such, um, but that doesn't, there are, there are what we would call alternative um, methods that obviously can be used. And I hope that, I'm happy to hear that is working for you, Tracy, and hopefully someone else online might be able to benefit from that as well. Once again, going back to a multidisciplinary team approach, um, not only multidisciplinary team in terms of the various persons that you get involved, but the various things that you can use um, in order to in order to treat various conditions that you may be dealing with. So it's not always medications that we need to use. There are other there are other remedies that can be used as well. Yeah, because I, I see some other suggestions here, like evening primrose oil. Helps with period, period pain as well. It can help with breast tenderness as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yes, definitely there are a lot of a lot of supplements that can help. But I mean, the major the major thing here is that they are going to be specific for um, your unique situation. So they may help you, but they may not help someone else. Mm -hmm. um, so that's important. You should also speak to your medical practitioner if you are seeking to start using some of these things because. If you're on other medication, it may have an effect uh, when they combine, and therefore that may be more detrimental than helpful. So as you, as you continue to say, Pat, it's always important to speak to your medical practitioner before you're about to make any changes um, to your regular routines. Well said. Sultan <laughs> wonder if he's the only male in here. Sultan, you are not the only male in here, my brother. <laughs> and even if you were, even if you were, we welcome you. <laughs> All right then, because Sultan know you can be able to get and tell some of the other fellas we learned here today. I mean, you might not have, have learned, you may have known everything already. Cravings. They've been speaking about cravings. Donna wants to know does anyone else get cravings? Pat, you want you want to lay on that? Um, that is definitely one of the premenstrual symptoms. Um, you can also have so just just let's let's list some of them that are common to some people, um, and some that might not that might be uncommon for those of you who may not necessarily be experiencing, as this is all a learning process. Um, so you may be familiar with the food cravings. Persons may have poor concentration. Uh, they may find that they're tired all the time. Um, and when I say, t I should be specific, these are usually within the two weeks leading up to the menstrual, to the period. Um, they may have changes in their, in their mood, they get very anxious, they may get depressed, uh, they may notice changes in terms of weight gain or they feel bloated. Um, those tend to be some of the, some of the common symptoms. Um, in extreme cases, it may be the main notice in terms of headaches. Um, some persons, if they have any underlying conditions like migraines or asthma or allergies, they may notice that these actually worsen around the time um, where their period is due. 
So I hope that in most cases for those persons that are online, these don't interfere with your regular daily duties. Um, and if you suspect that they may be, in addition to tracking in terms of noting how long your period lasts, it's also important to track the symptoms that are associated. Then you can note if this is a case where it's something on that has been interfering with your regular duties that you didn't even realize. So we usually recommend that you take like two to three months and actually just get a diary and note in that period of time leading up to the period if you're experiencing any of the symptoms that I had mentioned before. Because that yeah, can man, help so... in terms of making the diagnosis of premenstrual syndrome. Sweet. So the ladies were dropping some of the, the items that they were that they were craving and um chocolate was a very popular one. <laughs> Ice cream came through as another popular one. Some salty things, all the sweet things. Melody mm -hmm. said all the all the salty foods. Um but then Tracy lashed me with and this is why I had to make the, the face. Okay. I said get this ice cream. Uh, that, that happened to get, even though I get this ice cream. <laughs> and naturals with lime. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah, man. We've got another question coming through. Any tips on for hormonal acne? For hormonal acne. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um persons may notice coming up to the period again in terms of the changes in the hormone levels that they may have flares of their acne around that time. And in some cases you can use there are several things that you can do. You can use hormonal or non-hormonal. Um, the combined oral contraceptive pill tends to be helpful in um, once there are no contraindications to using the pill. Um, that can be used for a non-contraceptive benefit in terms of reducing acne. Um, if you notice that there are certain foods as well that tend to trigger your acne, um, those can be avoided. Okay. Okay. I hope that answers. I hope that answers. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, but it's them, them naturals hitting. Well, Lucinda <laughs> agrees with this. I, I never heard one of them naturals yet. <laughs> me, me either. So we're all learning here. Yeah, man, you're right. Look, I feel real sweet, though, because looking through these, looking through these comments here, I, I actually watching persons like very open, sharing uh, some of the stuff that they, that they feel, mm -hmm. and sharing uh, you know a lot of information that I feel could be so helpful, you know. Um, another one coming through. Ab exercises and spotting. Is that normal? No. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not unless it is related to your period. What I would say is some persons might notice mid-cycle um, that they have abdominal pain. Um, but really and truly between the start of or the end of your menstrual cycle and the start of your subsequent menstrual cycle you shouldn't be having spotting or bleeding all right um aside from the pill is there any other advice as it relates to i'm assuming that this means as it relates to contraception mm -hmm. well you have once again you have hormonal and non-hormonal contraception so i'm going to speak to this very broadly obviously because each individual um you have to look at a case-by-case -case basis see if they have any underlying conditions or any contraindications whether it be personal or family history, um, that might make them and their unique situation that would determine which method would be the most effective. Um, but for persons that want a hormonal contraceptive, um, in addition to the pill, you have the three-month injection, the Depo-Provera. Um, you have your intrauterine contraceptive device. 
which um, is inserted, as I said, intrauterine, and it basically releases a small amount of hormone um, on a daily basis, depending on which one you choose. It may be for three years or five years. Um, you also have, depending on where you are located and what's available, their subdermal implants. Um, and then for non-hormonal, you have the con the copper, what persons would refer to as a copper tea. Um, advantage of that is it can be left in situ for 10 years. Um, but as I said, they all have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, obviously, condoms are a form of contraception as well. Not the most effective. So definitely they they protect in terms of sexually transmitted infections, um, which they provide coverage of SCAs as opposed to the others that I had mentioned. But if you're going to be using condoms, definitely recommend that you use a, a more effective or more reliable form of contraception. And then you have your right. fertility awareness methods, which are the least, um, the least effective persons that may have being having fertility issues might be familiar with those in terms of you know monitoring your body temperature, um, checking in terms of changes in terms of your cervical mucus to see when you are more likely to be fertile, and then you know avoiding intercourse on those days, but not the most effective. Um, definitely a conversation to be had with your gynecologist or your physician because there are also different different factors that would determine the type of contraception that you go on, um, whether it be a case of what you feel most comfortable with, planning, having decided how soon you plan on getting pregnant. So obviously, if you are looking to be pregnant in the next six months or a year, you're not going to use a form of contraception that is ideal for like a three to five to 10 year um, period. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be cost effective. 10 years. Mm -hmm. that, that's the one that, that stuck with me. Oh. <laughs> you know, if it paying rent. <laughs> <Ten years. laughs> All right, so we, we got some question, more questions coming in and sure. really happy to see questions coming in. May mm -hmm. I ask if 10-day periods, if that is normal, would we consider that normal? No. Um, norm being about five to seven days. Definitely, if you are noticing periods for longer than that time, then I would recommend that you seek medical attention just to rule out any underlying causes. All right. And pain during ovulation, is that normal? Yes, it is. What we refer to as middle, middle spurts, um, and that can happen at the time of ovulation. So mid-cycle, you may notice that you tend to have some pains. What's the term you, you just used? Middle spurts. Middle spurts. We can stick to ovulation pain. Okay, okay, fair. I feel <laughs> All right, so Carla asks, I use Angelique for menopause. How long is it usually prescribed for? She's not looking forward to hot flashes, etc. Repeat the question. She uses Angelique mm -hmm. for menopause. She wants to know how long is it usually prescribed for? Okay, so once again, I'm going to be mindful of answering questions on an individual basis. Um, usually, once that would also be dependent on several factors in terms of your age, um, the if there were any other reasons as to why you were put on the medication. 
um, but for menopausal symptoms, they would usually be utilized up until usually about age, at menopause since that happened around age 51 for most persons. Um, so usually for the years leading up and probably a few years after, but once again, there'll be other factors that would determine how long a person is kept on those types of medications, especially hormonal medications. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm being vague for a reason, um, just yeah. because your individual circumstances would determine the length of time that your physician would see it necessary for you to be on that medication. Sweet. Um, all right. So again, we are saying general theme is that it's important for everybody to recognize their unique scenario. There's a comment here which says, I know ladies that were on the pill and injections and they still have children. You know, so things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no form of contraception is 100% effective. Um, obviously, some are more effective than others. It doesn't happen very often, but you do have those cases when pregnancy can occur. Yes. There's another question here. Melanie asks, um, so she's heard, taking the pill for a long time can affect when you're ready to get pregnant. How true, how true is that? No, it doesn't. It's actually one of, out of the forms of contraception, one of the forms, sorry, let's try that again. Out of the various <laughs> forms of of contraception, your fertility in most cases tends to return quickly after discontinuing as opposed to um, types such as like the depo injection where persons can take up to a year in some cases um, for, their, for their periods to return inter- and also in terms of being having ovulatory periods and obviously you need to ovulate in order to, with ovulation then comes the potential for fertility. Melanie, okay. I hope that okay. answered your question. Um, there seems to be, well, someone voiced something earlier. Um, I made a note of it. it. It had to do with lawsuits versus specific contraceptives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing that there may be some persons who may not necessarily be most trusting Mm-hmm. of contraceptives um is there any anything you want to say about that um so i'm not sure i may have mentioned it when i was listing the various types of contraceptives um but like any medications you do have your side effects um you do have your complications associated and so obviously dependent on your history um that being personal history and family history then that would guide us using like one type of contraceptive in one individual versus another type of contraceptive in another individual. So it really goes back to an individualized um, approach because obviously if you have underlying conditions, there are some that you would avoid as compared to others. All right. I have another question coming in. Is it true that having children help with with menstrual cramps? If so, why is that? I found that I don't experience cramps anymore since having children. That's from Sherry. Okay. Um, some persons will, will report that they have noticed changes in terms of their menstrual cycle after, after having um, children. And it just goes back to regularization then in terms of your hormones um, and just the changes that might have occurred, physiological changes that would have occurred during pregnancy. Yes. So, so anything can change. I mean, pregnancy, uh, the, the, 
the process of pregnancy is such a, a life-changing event that mm -hmm. you can expect to see an, any number of changes with your you know, daily phys physiology after that. Within, the, within a certain degree, though, um, a certain set of parameters, um, I'm asking because, mm -hmm. you know, you always state that anything that you notice that deviates from the norm should be discussed. Mm -hmm. um, so, once again, going back to that, okay, so it would have been dependent on, I'm not sure what was happening pre-pregnancy, um, but once it is a case where post-pregnancy, the changes have been within that norm, then wouldn't necessarily be something of concern, obviously, if you are going outside of the norm in terms of the length of the cycle, um, the length of the periods, the flow of the periods, pain associated, then that would be something that you would have to, I would recommend investigating. <laughs> I'm laughing because Lucinda got a question here that I know if I want to ask you. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Okay. Um, uh, I can let that one upside the house. Okay, no problem. <laughs> I can let that one upside the house. So we actually are four minutes uh, past what we, you know, kind of scheduled to be our runtime, but Instagram allows us to have another 10 minutes or so. Uh, so, if you, you know, you, you, you cool for time? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, if, if we have any other questions that anyone else in the audience would like to pose, because uh, we, we pretty much went through, you know, mostly virtually everything that we have been looking to, to convey. So if there are any other questions that we have here that you want to pose, outside of that one that we said no drop there, <laughs> then feel free to, to plug into the comments bar. And um, you are wounded. <laughs> and the goodly doctor will be happy to ask, to answer. So we have, I have some feedback. <laughs> we have some feedback. This was very informative. And I, I agree with that. Pat, I think you have, you've answered everything in a very comprehensive manner. And you've given a lot of very good information in a manner in which we can all understand. I'm, um, I'm happy that I was able to share. I'm happy that we were able to, to collaborate on this because it just, it just highlights, once again, the importance of, of knowing your body and being able to have a, when you know your body, then you can, can adapt. Um, so, for instance, when we were talking about this initially and you were mentioning how you're able to tailor people's regimes, I thought that was that is absolutely fantastic. Um, because if you think about it, some persons may actually shy away from exercising because of their periods. You know, they know that they, the, so depending on the extent of their symptoms, obviously in extreme cases where it's debilitating and you can't do things. Um, then they wouldn't be able to exercise. But, you know, in cases where it's probably not so severe, um, they may still be a little hesitant in terms of, well, I don't know if I'll be able to do everything that I should be doing, depending on the symptoms that I'm having. But knowing that you can tailor your regime to suit that you have trainers that if you, obviously you have to develop that sort of relationship. And that's, that's the long short of it, developing a relationship with all of those persons who are involved on your health team. So doctors included, um, because at the end of the day, we can't help you um, if you aren't forthcoming with the information. And it's really in it's it's really in your best interest. We can't let's work together um, so that we can can do the best that we can for you. 
Very well said. Very well said. Wanna try and make me blush in these comments here? <laughs> okay. Um, but but generally, Pat, we are getting some some really good feedback from the job that you have done. I really want to give you a lot of thanks for for accepting to come here. Um, thanks for having me. I'm sure, Pat Ingham, Pat Ingham, but okay. I will say. When they approach Pat about this, she she claimed that she was a little shy when it oh, came to brilliant. public speaking. Right. She I think my connection that. is what, having some issues right now. Uh, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> she claimed this, but but based on what I'm seeing in front of me, Pat, you have had no issues with getting your information across. It has been lovely speaking to you. You have articulated everything brilliantly, and I really want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise with us. Um, is there any way that anyone can get in contact with you if they have any other questions? Um, sure. As you would have mentioned before, I work privately um, at All About Women, which is located on Erdison Hill. Um, you can actually follow us on IG. It's All About Women Barbados. Um, and you can get the contact information there. All right. I will actually put that in my stories as soon as we're finished here. Sure. So that persons can see the link and just click on it and follow and ask any question. Address it to Pat, Dr. Patricia <laughs> Brackwick-Bailey. <laughs> Address it to Pat, and she will be more than happy to answer any questions that you may have. So on that note... Thank you, Pat. Thank you, everyone who joined in, everyone who shared. I'm, I'm very happy that we had this session. This is a topic that I think, you know, as I said before, needs to be ventilated. And we need to be able to speak about these things in taboo. So I'm, I'm really happy that we had this discussion. 